Coming up, readings beyond the raffle and Theoryland approved conjecture. Deep dive into the spells and scrolls of nerd culture. Absorb Stormlight. Home sympathy. Harness Sayadar and Sayadeen. This is Phantology. You may have heard of us. Okay, what's up, members of the Psych? This is Steven and Ben from Phantology, back with our spoiler-filled review of the Dragon Republic. We just recorded our non-spoiler takes, and now we're talking spoilers through the book. So in the non-spoiler review, I said I gave the book an 8 out of 10. Ben was more like a 7.5. With the 6.5 for enjoyment, we kind of talked about the grimdark nature of the book and talked about uh, where it landed on the time top 100 and about the speculative fantasy fiction element of it. So now let's talk about the plot elements and the characters. So let's go into Rin. Rin, our main character, not Vin, easily confused with another <laughs> slide of stature female protag from Mistborn. So uh, with Rin, I thought one of the more interesting things was her journey from beginning to end, where at the beginning, she doesn't really care about anything other than getting revenge on the Empress. And by the end, she's like, I'm going to now lead this Southern Rebellion. And this is obviously what's going to happen in the, in the third book. But her journey here as a leader and her personal identity and her, her personal strength, really, because she was throughout the book relying on other people to make the decisions for her. I thought that transformation was really what defined her and made her character interesting. Yeah, I could agree with that. She goes from not being able to lead a group of the like five or six person psych to being able mm -hmm. to lead like a nation. And I think that a lot of that does have to do with, you know, with being addicted to drugs at the beginning of the book. You yeah, know what I mean? She's addicted to opium the whole time. Right. I mean, she breaks the addiction, but it's still a thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say the thing that defined her character at the start of the book and really made the book an uphill climb in terms of enjoyment for me was when she burned almost killed her fellow member of the psych you might have to help me with the name here at the very beginning at the very beginning it's like, like unesian something like that yeah yeah and so the it fox kind of, dude who takes off yeah, yeah it gave you it it really set the tone of the book it kind of it, right off the back gave you a, almost a strong dislike of of ren because she kind of did this thing and then kind of cared about it but was able to like go pretty quickly and was upset that they had left you know who wouldn't leave after that so yeah that's kind of the the thing that defined her at the very onset for me and then throughout there's another kind of good point where when she joins up with Vaisra, the dragon warlord guy neja's father when she joins up with him she's like this is a great arrangement because this guy can make the decisions and point me in a direction and i can go yeah. fight because i love fighting and I'm pretty good at killing people. And this is kind of my thing. And then I don't have to make the decisions. Someone else, it can all be on someone else. And uh, I'll be able to do what I want. I don't care what's really happening. I'll just be the weapon. Yeah, that's a good point. And it really was interesting, like how much of an almost radicalized devotion she had to Visor for a long time. 
I'm not sure why that was. I'm not sure if it was even earned. Maybe because he helped her break her addiction. I, I mean, know. she kind of sees him as a father figure a little bit. And I think it just kind of goes back to this thing where she was kind of a weak character. Like her, she didn't have all that much personal resolve. And she was more just like, uh, I'm going to go kill the Empress. Great. That's all I really want to do. I don't care. I don't want to care about anything else because she's too afraid of making mistakes and doesn't want to have this guilt because she has this huge guilt from from destroying Mugen, Mugen, right? right? Uh, however you say, Muganese, Mugen, I guess. Anyway, at the end of the first book, right? And she's like, oh, I definitely don't want to do that again. So someone else can decide. Yeah, it was just, I guess it was interesting that she was able to still wholeheartedly give herself over to that. But by the end, again, we kind of see her questioning that loyalty. I think that a, a little bit of it was hard for me because I didn't remember everything that happened to her from the Poppy Ward. It had been a while. And so, you know, like her strong aversion to even having like simple tests done on her in the middle mm. of the book. I mean, that's understandable, but I just, it didn't really have the visceral feeling that I think it was going for. Yeah. It goes back to when she was tortured in that lab towards the end of the Poppy War. But I'm kind of with you. I didn't remember exactly the, the yeah. horrors of that. Yeah. So I just kind of accepted it. Yeah. I'm like, there's a difference between somebody like holding you down and torturing you to to do tests on you versus like mm-hmm. measuring your skull, you know, with a with a yeah measuring tape. But, you know but it, I mean? it, it, it kind of connected to this conversation she had with the gray company guy, I don't remember his name, uh, the, the younger kid who was kind of nice to her. And he was like, well, you know, I'm going to bow to you guys because I've read in the books that this is what you guys like to do. And I know you guys are inferior to us, like you're an inferior race. But, um, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm going to try to be nice because we can still be nice as the Hesperians and just this overt, terrible racism. And it, oh, yeah. it kind of goes back to that, you know, the same feelings that she's having being tested on. Yeah, for sure. That's a that's a very good point. And I think that that overt racism, I mean, not even overt, it was like pretty just. Yeah, maybe overt is the wrong word. Yeah, yeah obvious. it was very in your face. Obvious racism was really well done. You know, I'm, I'm reading just as a non-fantasy book, I'm reading this book about the early Americas and about um, how our uh, view of, of Native Americans was just so radically off um, mm. when we were colonizing. And so it really does make you, um, it's kind of like another look at how just terrible like Europeans were with, with the racism. And so I appreciate the book for, for kind of pointing that out. It's interesting too, because there's layers of racism in the book. There's the racism against Rin's province, against Rooster province, because they're darker skinned and seen as total backwater mm. people. And she had this problem when she was going to Sinegard in the Poppy War, where she was speaking the wrong dialect and everything. So there's the racism within Nikara, and then there's the racism against the, the Mugen people. And then the Asperians come in, and then there's the whole North versus South thing. So there's all these different layers, and, and it's you know within within their own race. And then from, I guess, I, I don't know if there's a difference between those types of racism, but um, it, it's a theme throughout the book for sure. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, that was also striking when, when Rin was kind of going back into those war camps and, and couldn't even stand the sight of her, uh, the people that she grew up with, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, that was when I think it cemented my dislike of her, right? Like when she didn't even care about her younger brother, where that was kind of like her one tidy humanity throughout the yeah. So, right. We, we both said we didn't like her. She's an interesting character, but she's really not likable. 
And the reason, the, th- the thing that I can point to the most, that's that's a good point with the war camps and uh, and with Kasegi, her, her brother, and uh, with everyone else in the Rooster province that she doesn't like anymore or she's kind of racist against. Um, but the thing that kind of put me over the edge was she has like no ability to empathize for Neja yeah. when he is talking about this, you know, the dragon that has possessed him and the pain he feels and being a shaman or not a shaman or whatever he is kind of in between Rin is like suck it up you know you're terrible and i i don't understand that because she has experienced the same exact thing she should be able to empathize empathize with him and yeah i get it like they have a different background and things aren't the stakes aren't quite the same for both of them but they've gone through a shared experience and it's a pretty terrible shared experience. So I don't understand why she's not able to empathize with this guy, especially since she has romantic feelings for him and they have strong ties to each other. Did not understand that at all. And it honestly makes me think she's kind of a psychopath because she's unable to empathize. Yeah, I could agree with that. Um, That was super interesting, especially considering that this involved like the death of his brother, right? Like, right. Yeah, so that's crazy. So Rin is supposed to be Mao, or there's some ties to her being Mao. Like we, we talked about this in the non-spoiler. It's not a one-to-one thing. But uh, I did some lookings into some research into Mao's history. Obviously, Chairman Mao, you know, Chinese yeah. figure, killed millions of people, uh, did a lot for China. Very controversial figure. And RF Kuang has said she's like not supposed to be exactly Mao, uh, but I did want to read this little uh, bit from a review that she retweeted and said was the best review or the best representation of what Mao was. So it says, in contemporary China, the legend of Mao, who died in 1976, takes a number of forms. He is a once the benevolent father, the austere teacher, and the deranged dictator. The true Mao, the true Mao may be unknowable, we will never fully understand his motivations or goals. And yet, what if we did grasp the psyche of an infamous leader? This is the question at the heart of the series, not to absolve, but to understand. Like Mao, Rin is power hungry and motivated by revenge. And yet she remains largely sympathetic. Yeah, questionable. Her wants are human wants and her suffering and misguided beliefs only serve to empathize her humanity. What is at once tragic and yet compelling about the trilogy is that Rin's path to destruction is not due to some inherent wickedness. Instead, she could be any one of us. Interesting. I don't know. What do you think of that? Yeah. So again, I'm with you. I don't know how much of a sympathetic character it was, but definitely, like I said, when you when you posted that to Discord, it reframed the story for me and kind of cast in a new light and made me enjoy it a lot more. Retroactively, even. You know, I was able to say, huh, that whole thing that I just read suddenly t- took on a lot more meaning. Yeah. So uh, what do you think is going to happen in the next book? Like, is she just going to kill a whole bunch of people? Is she going Mao here? Is she going to be setting up camps and and uh, creating a mass famine and millions are going to die? I guess we assume that probably is going to happen. Yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, yeah, I don't know. By the end, she's just kind of pushed so far over the edge, especially with like her hand. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Gosh, that was, that was probably the most cringy moment of cringy. the book. Oh, I, I don't know if cringy is the word, but I just like felt that pain. Oh, I, yeah. I felt like I was her anchor as well as Katai. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the fact that it was Katai doing it almost 
like to her but also to himself yeah it's just very very gross oh gosh yeah i don't know yeah so i think that she's kind of set up to go full psychopath on everybody in the next book do you think she might join up with daji and i i seems like the dragon emperor who is presumed dead may come back as well yeah get back in with the trifecta she talked about having an army of shamans as well that was the thing that got, that happened a couple times yeah in, in the book so that would be i think my main complaint kind of with the book overall is that the psych wasn't more important like that was what i was excited for at the end of the poppy war was like for this elite you know almost like strike team to like be going out and accomplishing like yeah those you know, guys did they did nothing yeah so. suni suni and baji were in like a little bit to provide some humor and then they died at the end and you're like wait was i supposed to care about those guys because yeah they were kind of fun but also like i haven't seen them for hundreds of pages yeah i mean the oh yeah what was the kids the kid's name who did like a suicide bomb at the end? Ramza? yeah he was like my favorite character I liked him. He 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 was in enough of it. Suni and Baji weren't in enough for me to care yeah. about. I did care about Ramza dying. Yeah, that was tough. It was especially tough because like like no, I would rather you live than Rin escape right now. You know. Right. <laughs> what about Neja? Did did you care about Neja? Eh, yes and no. I don't know. I, I had a hard time getting into any of the characters, honestly. So were you like, compelled like, by like the romance that might have been happening? um no because i didn't want i didn't want anybody to end up with rin <laughs> like <laughs> like no please T- yeah. terrible like that would be swipe, very, swipe left swipe left yeah very toxic relationship to be in at that point so yeah. i don't know what about you yeah I'm, I'm with you i'm glad that they are not together um what about the betrayal because so Neja betrays her at the end. Like, was that super obvious that that was going to happen? I feel like it was at the same time. I kind of feel bad for Neja a little bit. Like this dude has his hands tied as much as any of the other characters. He yeah. seems like he's a good guy at the core, but I'm guessing events are going to push him into a dark path as well. Yeah. So I think that that's a really tough position to be in. I don't know if I would like say that that's like indicative of his feelings for Rin. I think that's more of like an impossible choice between family and something that's a little bit more than a crush, but you know what I mean? Like, how do you balance that? And between like knowing like what's right and wrong, I don't know. He definitely knew what he was doing was wrong, but he, you know, was choosing family at that point too. And there's a, you know, there's a moment at the end where he's standing on the bridge as they escape and they see him and he just stands there and watches them go. Could have sounded the alarm yeah benka shoots a couple arrows at him misses and he just stands there stoically and and they escape so i'm sure they'll come across each other again i assume that vicera would die or something and neja would become the leader one thing that bugged me was there were like several times at least two or three times in their relationship where they blew up at each other and the narrative said something like oh rin knew that they could never come back from this again their relationship would never be repaired and then it happens again and they're, yeah. you know, buddies again and they have romantic feelings and they're drinking together. And then Rin knew that it could never be repaired. It's like, okay, I don't believe it anymore. I think at yeah. some point in the third book, it's going to happen again. They're going to come together again somehow. And it's going to be like this choice that could be made. They could be happy or they could go to war. And I'm guessing they're going to go to war and kill everyone. 
Yeah, I I could see that. I mean, at some level, that's like real life toxic relationships, though. You know, what I mean, like if yeah, if you're like involved with a you know an abusive person or whatever, there's a reason why you stay with them, even though you might have yeah. those thoughts. Yeah, yeah. So I wasn't yeah. too bothered by that, but like it was as a reader, you're like, just stop trying. Then, like, if the only interaction I'm reading between you two is like this visceral hate, hatred of each other, then like I don't want to read about that. You know what I mean? So again, I think that that like goes up to my, like my whole thing with this book is just because it's it's not enjoyable, but that doesn't mean it's not good. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. What about Alton? So Alton was her other somewhat of a romantic, uh, maybe just as bad of a relationship, died in the Poppy War at the end, right? Rin feels terrible about this. Alton was like the epitome of everything she thought she was trying to be as a shaman. And then the layers are stripped away throughout this book. And you're like, wait, Alton was a pretty crappy leader who only cared about himself and was addicted to opium and was making terrible choices. So Rin, why do you want to be him? And why do you love him? And by the end, she was able to basically kill him, her mind version of him and move on past that. So while I thought that narrative was, was pretty good, like that journey, um, I, I feel like maybe it got a little tired by the end. I, I wasn't really i didn't care all that much i cared more about the war that was ongoing yeah i could see that i think like the two things that kind of epitomized the relationship for me was the trident and her kind of like trying to use that as a weapon oh, yeah yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. you know and then like at the end melting it down i'm gonna contrast that i really like that theme it kind of reminded me of like a parent from wheel of time we got with oh my, yeah you know so i enjoyed that i what i didn't enjoy as much was the, like handprint that was like seared on her chest from mind version of him yeah what was that kind of weird i didn't really understand what was going on and then that was something that like ninja would like always kind of point to and kind of be like that's weird i don't know so one part of that was done really well the other one wasn't done as well for me the whole thing with the handprint and with them meeting up with the ketriads the the hinterlander group and doing the seal breaking I don't know if I was quite as into that just because it was slower and we just had this huge war thing. Like I get, we need a difference of pacing. So the pacing was still good, but I don't always love this trope of like, let's bring in the kind of strange out there, like uh, backwater tribe in who has this mystical power of into the spiritual plane and they're going to explain stuff and, and, you know, and provide this additional context that the people that we understand that, that we're with most of the time don't understand. I don't always love that trope. Yeah. yeah. It was it's just like, it's done all the time. I'm kind of tired of it. And it's just always kind of a little strange for me. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. And plus, cause you always kind of feel like an outsider when you're, when you're in those situations, you know what I mean? And you kind of feel like you're constantly playing catch up. So I, I strongly agree with that. Katai. So Tai was another character that I really cared about. And going back to this, uh, the Ketriad group, he becomes the anchor for her magic. I thought that was pretty cool. Obviously, yeah. you know, that had to be provided by this group. So I, I like the things they were doing. I, I just thought it was a little, uh, the trope is maybe not my favorite. Anyway, um, I thought Katai was maybe my favorite character. I'm, I'm actually going to go on record and say he was my favorite character. Yeah, I could actually agree with that. I think that Katai was the most relatable maybe to us you know what i mean like and he kind of has to be convinced that mm-hmm. drug along rinse path although he does show a few cracks throughout it that were very believable i think he was the most sympathetic for me at least 
Is it just because he's a nerd and we're nerds? I think. I mean, that that might work. <laughs> yeah, dude, I love the uh, the flying suit that he built. That was probably the highlight of the whole book for me. Yeah, man. When Ren is like soaring about the battle, and you're like, "Well, this is awesome." This is pretty. I mean, this is like a Brandon Sanderson type thing where we introduced the magic, and now we add this other cool way to use the magic, and it's awesome. That was the highlight yeah. of the book, I think. Yeah, for for sure. It definitely was the only time I was like cheering for Rin, <laughs> you know, and and partially because I was cheering for Katai's success. I think my favorite scene of the book was like when they're like having that kind of war council and being like, oh, this is hopeless. And then Rin's like, well, I can fly now. So what are we going to do with uh-huh, that? Uh-huh. And everybody's like, what? You can fly? <laughs> so it's like, okay, maybe this information could have been imparted sooner, but uh, yeah, <laughs> very dramatic. And her flying around and torching all the ships was uh, was was pretty fun for a little for as long as it lasted. Of course, like everything, it broke apart and crippled her pretty bad by the end. Yeah, that was yeah, another sure. kind of painful part that I felt, um, like in my back when that rod was jammed into her. That was that was tough. Yeah. Okay, uh, a couple other characters, and then we'll just kind of wrap up with maybe a few uh, highlight events. So, what about the whole thing with the Empress? and the dragon warlord and jung the gatekeeper the trifecta the gods like all that stuff on the spiritual plane what do you think of the way that i guess the magic in general and the gods and everything like how was that for you that was a little bit harder to read in part because like i just didn't feel like i was equipped with like the necessary backstory to understand like the importance of all these things that were happening like with the trifecta and like the reason why they uh the queen kind of hated the two others because they like what killed some somebody that was important to her i don't know yeah we don't know enough about the backstory of the trifecta all we know so far is that they were young kids together and they got the magic from the sorquan sira and the ketriades and then they were able to anchor each other anchor themselves to each other which made them super powerful and then they turned against the uh the hinterlander people uh but Eventually, then they ruled the the land. There's a lot of history kind of in there, maybe a lot of info dumpy type stuff. Although I, I never really felt like it was too info dumpy. I was always, always interested in what uh, had happened previously. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe that was, maybe I just wasn't paying enough attention during those parts, but I kind of always would kind of glance, like gloss over those. I just wish the magic was a little more defined and this is maybe just my personal preference because I always kind of like the harder magic systems. Yeah. But when we get into like the firefight versus the viperous, like hypnosis magic power versus the wind power, it's like, uh, I never really have an idea of who might be stronger, who might have the advantage here or there. It's just kind of like whatever the narrative is saying, like, okay, Ren's going to power up with a super flare of fire that's going to overpower and that's going to make her win or the viperous is going to now freeze you because... She can do that, but now we're going to break free of that because of reasons, you know, that, yeah. that's always a little weaker for me, but uh, that's just how some narratives are, I guess. Yeah, exactly. I feel like the point of this book wasn't to develop this like interesting magic system, you know, like at the yeah. root of it, this magic is like by doing opium, you're able to be like certain people are, be, are able to be transported to this pantheon of gods and they can be inhabited by God. You know, like, like that's sure. not that's not an intricate magic system. You know what I mean? That's like, it's, it's a narrative, like narratively part of the book, but only as much as it allows it to be like speculative fiction. You know what I mean? So 
Yeah, I don't know. Yep. Not my favorite part, but I don't know if it detracted much. It just didn't add to the book very much. Do you think in, as you're talking about that, I had a thought, do you think in the third book is, are the Hesperians going to channel the power of their great white maker God, their, their one God, right? And is that going to be like a, a God fight versus the, uh, the 64 Pantheon gods versus the Hesperian gods? I don't know. I mean, what or was God. the, what, what was their whole thing with like their, their one God like was trying to prevent destruction it wasn't yeah it's like a chaos so it was a chaos thing they call it chaos Chaos. it's almost kind of like his dark materials with dust dust is represents like sin in the world and so they Mm. were observing rin to see that the chaos and trying to stop that because the maker had put everything in order but uh i mean rin kind of speculates wait maybe there's like different planes of spiritual beings and my pantheon of gods is different from theirs because she knows like she's like well whatever you're saying is not true because i've literally seen the gods but maybe they've got something else yeah i thought that was kind of interesting too kind of how she was willing to be kind of fluid in her belief system and entertain other people's beliefs that was like a cool mark of of rin's character (laughs) rin ben yeah yeah (laughs) they're they're way too similar (laughs) yeah all right what are some of your uh maybe just like some top and bottom moments here um I have a few that I can throw out. Is there anything that we haven't talked about yet that uh, you want to discuss? So how about the uh, the failed like assassination in the Autumn Palace against the Empress, yeah. kind of how things start up? The whole start was a little slow, but uh, I thought that assassination was interesting. And then they drag Vicer out of there because Rin is like, no, we got to save this dude because he's the only one who can make the decisions. Yeah, I, that, that was kind of the turning point for her advisor for me where i thought it might not be as realistic that she was willing to like risk her life after like you know she's not willing to risk her life for like hardly anybody but she is something for visra i don't know like that whole assassination attempt on its face just kind of seemed pretty weak you know just like get her in there under you know do we ever think this was gonna work yeah yeah as the reader we definitely did not think it was going to work right Right, like their whole sly method was that they're drugging her enough that they don't think mm-hmm. she's powerful. But like, mm-hmm. then they just talk for hours and clearly like that would not be something you would do if you're actually concerned about this person. Yeah. So what what about the poisoned water? And then the, you know, in, in the pig's bladder or something that was delivered down to them. And then the uh, subsequent Northern campaign that started, I thought that was where it really picked up for me. Yeah, so that is like definitely, you know, like, the atrocities of war kind of hit home and it also like because we we had seen the other members of the psych kind of use the water at the end of book one to wreak great havoc and so like mm-hmm. we were mm-hmm. kind of just seeing different ways that like water which normally symbolizes like life and vitality kind of like be corrupted so that was interesting and then the campaign afterwards i thought was pretty interesting just to follow the you know the the group of uh I don't know, really advanced naval commanders. I guess Jinya was was the main one. But uh, as they went up the river, I kind of wish I had a better map with some X's on it to show where battles happened. But I was kind of along for the ride there. And then that lake battle, the disastrous lake battle, I thought was was pretty compelling. Yeah, the lake battle was interesting. I mean, at one point, part you're like pretty happy that, um, oh, that, that kind of general, like, 
Neja's brother, Jinja. Yeah, that we like didn't really like. He was kind of like a jerk. Mm-hmm. Like it was kind of cool to see him get his comeuppance. When you say comeuppance, do you mean loss in the battle or baked into muffins later on? <laughs> okay, that was gross. Uh, that was like one of those things that I'm like, you did not need to do that. Yeah, but, that was like Game of Thrones stuff. <laughs> yeah. So the other thing, it was at that part, I remember thinking that there's, that this plotting of this book is kind of weak, where it would just kind of take you to where, like, like when they showed up after that part, her and um, Katai just kind of showed up where they magically needed to be in order to progress the plot. And so... Mm. I yeah. don't know. That, yeah, that the Ketriots kind of... just come in to like, hey, here we are. Like, what? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess Chagan might have like summoned them because they had this mental connection. I don't know. Yeah. That was maybe a low point um, in terms of plotting for me. All right. Are we looking forward to the third book? Are you going to read The Burning God? I mean, yeah, I'll for sure read it. I don't know how much I'm looking forward to reading it. Again, um, because the first two books were hard to read. Bit of a but... dread. Yeah. yeah, but interesting. I'm, 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 I'm really interested to see, you know, where where they take it. Yeah, where where, where is this going to go? Because we talked about it several different ways ago, right? from all on God fight to just you know Rin destroying all of China, basically, uh, to basically taking China to modern days. I I don't know. Yeah, I yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting for sure. Okay, let's close out with our worst of the best segment. Oh, so Michael gosh. Kramer and Kate Redding are going to read that in now. And uh, Ben is frantically searching for his worst of the best. <laughs> the worst of the best. With so many exemplary moments in this book, it's almost unfair to nitpick. But that's the segment. It's the pimple on the princess. The stain on the satin. And the terror before the triumph. The unfortunate portion of an otherwise stellar performance. Someone has to point it out. Okay, what do you you go first, Steven? Yeah, I'll go ahead and give you one uh, to get started off. So I like the experience. I thought it was really interesting to have them. I, I assume they represented more like, you know, the West and, and maybe Britain specifically, since they were more of the colonizers. And it kind of talked about how they had maybe just like come off of World War II, almost where they had this big warring period and they came out on top. So I liked them and I thought they were compelling, but I never really saw the same menace in them that we were supposed to from the narrative because yes they had guns and they supposedly had a lot of ships and stuff but we didn't really see that until the very end but the whole time we we're like oh crap like the spirians are gonna do bad stuff but i don't know if i'm really convinced of that because you know rin can turn into a flying avatar of fiery death and so are the spirians really all that terrible i mean yes i'm, I'm sure they're enemies but uh, i don't know if i'm convinced yeah. yet that they are the, the level of enemy that uh, the text wants you to believe. So while I really liked the idea, I don't know if I was completely 100% sold on it. I was maybe more like 
70% sold on it. And I was just like, okay, the narrative wants me to think this, therefore I am, but I wasn't quite as concerned. Yeah, especially because like the queen, who is like a member of the trifecta, who is like supposedly like the most dangerous person in the world and could like mm-hmm. control you with her mind, she was willing to like make deals with the Hyperians because. Or Hesperians. Or Hesperians. <laughs> Hyperion, another fantasy book uh-huh. series uh, that you that you would question and be like, she's giving up so much of her autonomy uh-huh. to that. Yeah, I agree with that. That is a good worst of the best. Um, you you are still searching for one. <laughs> no, okay, I had one, and then I started agreeing with your point. I think my the worst of the best was the connection that was formed, with, like the anchor that was formed with Katai. It was the best because I I feel like it was a needed connection that she had with like a character that she wasn't like constantly feuding with, even though they did have mm-hmm. their differences. I think it was the worst because. The like she gave them an out like so uh, she says that they're supposed to like if one of them if one of them dies then like the other person will want to kill themselves or like want to die as mm-hmm. well and like mm-hmm. that's how strong the bond is but like almost in the same breath she said but you don't have to mm-hmm. so I feel like it it kind of cheapened the the connection that they have by kind of giving them I can a see way that. out of that connection especially when right after that. Chagon and and Clara, who had had this connection since they were children, like since they were ten right. days old, yeah, that she she dies, and yeah. then they they break it right away. It's like okay, if there's one connection that we'd expect both people to die, right, because they couldn't stand for it, it'd be this one. Yet here they yeah. are, yeah, here they it. are, yeah. So yeah. it was kind of like the the import was kind of cheapened for me a little bit. So. Did you feel attacked? Did you feel attacked as a twin yourself? As a twin, yeah. <laughs> I'm this like, was this offensive is... to you. <laughs> Could be it. Could be it. All right. So that's our review of the Dragon Republic. Controversial book, for sure. A lot of things to like. A lot of things to cringe about. Some things that maybe could have done better. Overall, pretty good book. I mean, if, if just, just on the basis of the quality of, of the narrative and the book. Uh, so solid book. So we're, uh, we're going to read The Burning God, and we'll get that review out soon as well. If you like Phantology Books, you can find more at www.phantologybooks.com and support the show at patreon.com slash phantology underscore books. All right, Ben, thank you for going along this journey with me. Yeah, no problem, Stephen. Looking forward to Burning God. All right, see you later.